The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to From the Forefront, an FX Missions podcast with your host, Scott McClelland. Far and wide, and sometimes here at home, these bold and courageous souls that answer the call to missions have a steely metal that insists pioneering be part of their daily routine. Let's gather today and learn from those on the forefront. Here's Scott. Hi, Cleland here. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of From the Forefront. Uh, missions podcast from FX Missions. We really appreciate you being here, and and hopefully we're going to make you think today. That's the goal. It's hard work thinking, and that is why so few people do it for themselves. But here we are, encouraging you, and I'm going to be joined uh, today with uh, Francesco Abortivi. Francesco, greetings. Hi, how are you doing? It's great to be back. Good, good, good. Yes, it's been a, a little while. Too long, I could say that. Yes. Tell me, how was how was my pronunciation on your name, Francesco Abortivi? It's pretty good, actually. Compliments. Great. Decent. Not awesome. No, it was good. <laughs> Not <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Francesco, where, where are you joining us from today? I'm in Italy, where I live and, and work and do ministry. Uh-huh. So in what part of Italy are you? I am in Parma, northern part of Italy. It's uh, south of Milan, so the northern part of Italy. Okay, yes, I've been there in your home. And I miss being there. I got to say that with all the craziness with travel these days, it's, it's hard to get back to see my friends in Italy. But I look forward to doing that as soon as possible. We look forward to having you here. Absolutely. Back here. Yeah. And you... You come across the pond, too, if you don't mind. We'll, we'll enjoy some time in the States. We're hopeful for that kind of travel to be a, possible again soon. And want to want to thank you again for being with us. But today we're going to talk about conspiracy theories. Ooh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm having a lot of fun today. Perhaps I've had one too many coffees. Of course, it's afternoon <laughs> where you are. Just in time for an espresso cortado, but uh, here we are. Yeah, thanks for being here. And, and the reason we're getting together is because recently you wrote an article about conspiracy theories from a biblical point of view. We're, we're This is an article that's being republished on the FX Missions website, and we'll backlink for folks so that they can get to it easily here. Conspiracy theories are, you know, they're out there certainly contending for our attention, especially not too recently, but somewhat recently, we went through a very contested election in the United States. Of course, anytime the drama whips up, 
you can expect conspiracy theories to be right there to fill in the conversation. How do you think we as believers, as you say, from a biblical point of view, how can we approach conspiracy theories or, or how should we, what should we do when we're confronted with something like this? What, what's the Lord shown you? Uh, big question. Of course, this is a very controversial topic, and uh, especially within the church, I would say. And there are so many strong opinions about this. And I try not to generalize, first of all, to be intellectually honest, and trying to just uh, understand what the Bible tells us about these kind of things. I think the main problem comes from the fact that we tend to be quite emotional about the, about these things and we, we tend to to reason with our emotions more than with our brains that's my two cents doesn't mean that everybody can we pause right there sure <laughs> so the reason i want to pause is because i think that's worthy of repeating you're saying that as humans and, and also as in our humanity i think is what you're saying Yes. That we can tend to reason more from an emotional point of view than with our minds. Did, yeah. Am I getting you right? Yes, let's put it this way. We like to think that we are much more logical and mental than we actually are. And in reality, most of our reasoning is strongly influenced by our emotions and by what scares us or what makes us feel good. That's a strong part of why we take decisions. That's just the way we are. It's that simple. And it's good to know that because that way we can actually understand where uh, we come from and why we take certain decisions instead of others. Make sense? Makes sense to me. But a lot of times I think, Francesco, we want to think that that is true in general, like you say, generalizing. But we think often, I think, at the individual level, we can believe that we are the lone exception to that fact. You know, of course, everyone else is reasoning from their emotions except me. Exactly. As I was saying, is, is my point, does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. And as I was saying, we like to think that we are much more logical and coherent than we actually are. And even, especially on this topic, this kind of topics, we come from specific ideas and we try to defend them without really, let's put it this way, sometimes we like to believe fake news. Sometimes we like to believe things that are good, but are not necessarily true. And I'm not saying that mm. that's, uh, I mean, it's, it's not always a fault. It's that sometimes it's really difficult to know the truth. Absolutely. The world is very complicated. Truth is very much hidden sometimes. And there is so much evil around there, and it's very easy to try to simplify everything and put on one side everything that is evil and the other side everything that is good. But unfortunately, most of the times, reality is not that simple. Mm. Yeah. Do you think that's what causes us as believers? Uh, it seems like now, you know, generalizing, call me down. Francesco, I'm going to do that a little bit, so you'll have to rein me in. But for me, when it comes to generalization, I mean, it, it seems to me that in large part, that believers seem to be 
almost maybe as susceptible to conspiracy theories as the general population is, what makes, is it the same thing that we both experience? I'm talking about, let's say, believers and non-believers. Is it the same reason that non-believers, you know, receive conspiracy theories as the truth as we believers do? Or is there something different to be noted there in, in your in your point of view? Yeah. Well, first of all, one thing about generalizations, it's wrong to generalize, but sometimes generalizations are true. What I mean is that, for example, you might say that Italians uh, like to drink uh, uh, espresso, as you were saying at the beginning, and love wine, which is a true generalization. I'm Italian, I don't drink wine, and I don't like espresso. <laughs> so every generalization, generalization has its limits. That's what I'm saying. Are you serious, Francesco? I'm serious. <laughs> so I I'm the exception. When someone from Italy comes to listen to this podcast, they're going to come for your citizenship card. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like espresso. Well, I don't like coffee in general. I'm not really a coffee lover. I prefer tea, which is very British. But I, that's, I, <laughs> that's the exception I again. Thought, I thought we were close friends, Francesco. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Of course, I'm only joking. But that, like you say, the generalization, it doesn't apply yeah. uh, across um, the board. And, that, and that's where we can get into trouble, right? And having said that, it's true that Christians have a tendency to believe in a certain theories. I believe even more than non-believers. Now, the starting point is very similar. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's a suspicion. Sometimes it's just trying to do good in the sense of trying to fight evil, which are all good things. But as Christians, I think we have an even stronger tendency in this sense because we know there is an evil out there. There is a devil out there that is trying to get us in some mm -hmm. ways. But of course, we also know that we have a God that defends us and protects us. And if we put too much emphasis on the first one and not on the second one, then we're in trouble because we, we see devil everywhere. And that's not the way we are called to live our faith, I believe. And also we mm. tend to see ourselves as small uh, persecuted minorities, and that works great with conspiracy theories. And we tend to have, a, let's put it this way, a militant, radical faith, which is right. And we even write books about this, how radical we must be in our faith. But sometimes we take it in the wrong way and actually become radical in the wrong way, in the, in the practical side of things. And we start to fight evil with our own weapons instead of God's weapons. Uh, while we know that mm. our fight is not against uh, flesh and blood. So that's, that's where we can really fall into something that is no more biblical at a certain point. And I'm not saying that there aren't people out there that are there to create problems or they are there to plot or they are there to just try to uh, do evil, especially to believers. It's possible. They've always been there. I mean, it's not something new. The problem yeah. is when we start to think that we can fight them by political force or by lobbying or in this kind of ways, which is not really what we're called to do, I think. We are called to actually, well, first of all, evangelize for sure, preach the gospel, show 
God's love through the way we love each other. So in, in ways that are much different from the ways of this world. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. That opens up a big subject to me, Francesco, and, and it probably has something to do with worldview that might be worth discussing. Let's put a tab on that really quick, because I, I want to come back to the worldview idea. But if we can for a second, I think the general worldview or, or the worldview of the extreme West, let's say, you know, obviously we're all together when it comes to Western European worldview to some degree. I mean, you know, there there's sure. obviously different places that have different yeah. different perspectives on that. Yeah, but there's there's nuances there, certainly. And I think that you probably see the world differently than than Americans do. You know, I'm talking about in a natural sense or just in a general sense. I remember when I was there, you said, Oh, you know, this, this about our culture, we're such like this. Nobody wants to go to a private school. Everybody goes to a public school, you know? Yes. And then the, in, in the U.S., the demand is the exact opposite. So that has to do with the way we look at things. But I think we, we might have a unique opportunity to look at it differently with your help. What do you want to say about that? How, how are these things? Well, first of all, I have American friends. I love my American friends, <laughs> but since I love them and I love the U.S., I okay. There are two things. One thing is that I we are very much influenced by uh, the American world vision, even from within the church. So European churches, but in general, I would say almost all over the world, the church is influenced by American preachers, uh, American books, and so on. So it's there. It's always been there. Mm-hmm. It's changing because more and more there are other churches that are emerging and uh, influencing the, the, the world, but it, the, the American influence is still very strong. Having said that, yes, there are uh, differences. Of course, we have the same uh, different attitudes, especially towards politics uh, or towards the way we must live our faith within society. And I think part of it is that comes from the fact that in the U.S., even though you are no, probably no more a majority, you come from a history of being a Christian majority in some ways. And that's mm-hmm. really influencing the way you do things and think as a church. Of course, we talk about the church, but we know that there are many strong differences within the church itself. And that's true all over the world. Yes, yes. But still, I do feel that there is kind of a strong push towards trying to change society by going through politics or by going through lobbying, by using uh, other weapons that, for example, here in Italy would be unthinkable of, because simply we are just too few. So the sheer reality is that we do not have that possibility. And we we try to change society in a very different way because simply we don't have that possibility. So I'm not saying it's totally wrong or right. I do believe that we should commit ourselves in every possible way to influence our society in a good way where we are called to do it. I just don't think that we should push, force, I would say, society to be Christian without actually converting. So I don't think we should make people behave like Christians 
even before they accept Jesus. That, that's not the point. We are called to preach the gospel, and then they will do the right things, not the other way around. It's a, bit, a little bit of what happens with our children, you know. We would like them to behave as Christians even before they convert. And that doesn't work. It's that simple, you know. We first have to talk to them about Jesus, about grace, about what it means to be a new believer, and then they will act accordingly. Sometimes we, mm. we wish they, they did the, the, the thing, the, the opposite. So they would, we would like them to see behavior yeah. in the perfect Christian way, going to church, doing all the right things, not drinking, driving carefully and everything, but they still haven't given their heart to Jesus. So, yeah, there are many differences between mm. uh, Europe and um, the U.S. in that sense. And some of this is really, it really comes from the fact that we uh, do not have such a strong Christian church, especially in the south of Europe. In the north, it's much more institutionalized. Of course, they have uh, strong state churches, but they are weaker and weaker. So it's a different situation. Mm. But, yeah, what I see is a very a mm. big risk in the U.S., and uh, I think many people, many believers, and many churches have already realized that is that you cannot just go on like pretending that you're still uh, the big majority of society. It's no more like that, and it will be less and less like that. That's my impression. Right. Well, uh, you're not wrong. I think maybe that's that would come as an unwelcome greeting. <laughs> Sorry about <laughs> to that. a lot of folks. No, it's okay. I think it, whatever it what is necessary for us to wake up to reality is what is prescribed. You know, I think the Lord wants to wake us up to the reality that we're in instead of some delusional state. You know, I think about a scripture in the Old Testament. Of course, I'm not referring to your English here in this reference because your English is awesome. But it's the uh, idea of with an unknown speech and a stammering tongue will I speak to this people. It's the idea there to me in one sense is that you really can't see what you're in the way it is from inside. Somebody from the outside has to come and wake you up to what you look like from the outside. And I think you're offering us an opportunity here, Francesco, to see ourselves as believers within the U.S. from an external point of view. It's You can't do that from inside. You know what I'm saying? It requires an additional external perspective and often more people. That That's a, also accommodated by relationship with people who are different than you. But back to my point, it's a rude greeting to say that, and very true, and very needed. <laughs> you know, but uh, I want there's to... so much to say there, but please go ahead. I, I, I'm, I'm pausing my worldview. I'll go back to my worldview comment. Please go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying that. I mean, again, it's not a judgment on the American church or anything. I think it just no. comes naturally from the fact that when you are big and strong, economically, even politically, because you have people in politics that claim to be Christians, and it's easy to just adapt and sit and not really be radical as we should, as we should be. Uh, we are talking about before about mm -hmm. being radical. And we just mm -hmm. don't have that possibility. It's that simple. And actually, I believe that this is a great chance, great possibility for the American church to actually revise itself 
being big in numbers doesn't necessarily mean to be being spiritually strong. Those are two different things. Mm-hmm. And this is probably sure. a time when, when the church should start to rethink itself, as we were saying, but also for people to decide who they want to be, either more committed or just get out of the church. It's, it's that strong, I think. Because mm-hmm. at a certain point, yeah. it's not going yeah. to be anymore as before. So if you just want a club uh, where you talk about Jesus, well, I don't think that's going to be less and less likely in the future. Either you believe it or yeah. you'd better find another occupation, I think. And again, it's not that yeah. we don't have this kind of problems. We still have it. It's just harder to have it in churches simply because here, if you want to be a Christian, you need to take an actual radical decision in the first place because you are different from the majority. You already know it from the beginning. You know that you'll have to explain who you are every time they will ask you about God or religion. You know that your children will go to school and they'll be uh, taught things that are totally non-Christian. And of course, I know that's true also in the U.S., but we kind of give it for granted. My impression more and more. that right more and more yeah. it is yeah, and I think that my impression is that you're starting to realize it. It will take some time, but you will see yourself at the end as the actually how can I say uh, the, the real kingdom that is separated from the, the country in a way, which is normal because we are called to be pilgrims on this, on this earth, and that's who we are. Yeah. which is a good position to start from and actually recreate a church that is actually faithful and based on God. And I'm not saying that the American church is not faithful. I think there are great churches. I, I mean, I listen to sermons often, and I love some teachers. I love some what is taught in some churches. So I'm not saying that there are problems everywhere, as I was saying before. But again, generally speaking, and all generalizations are wrong, <laughs> but generally speaking, I see that right. this is a time of revival in the sense that we really need to seek God's face and uh, try to understand what we are called to do. Very, very true. And I'm thankful for your perspective on this. Thanks for elaborating in that way. Uh, I'm sorry we departed from the subject a little bit for conspiracies. <laughs> no, no. Maybe a little, but I think it's very apropos, if you will, to us in this season. There's so much more to say there, but let let me just say, and just, you know, conspiracies in themselves, how how should we deal with those? You know, these are some of the things I want to unpack. We've probably got 10, 15 more minutes, but I, I just want, let me just say that Italy, in historically Italy, and then obviously Rome and what's the fragments of Roman Catholicism and those kinds of things was historically the center of the Christian worldview. Obviously, we're talking about more than a millennia ago. We're talking about, you know, at a, at a fixed time in history long ago. Sure. And then obviously there was the East and the West, right? The East and the West kingdom, if you will, mm-hmm. of Christianity. I'm probably saying the wrong word there, but you know what I'm saying? Constantinople yes, yes, sure. and Rome and, and, you know, and there was a lot of influence from North Africa as well. But we can know that, that the center of the Christian worldview, per se, at one time was based 
just a few hours by train from where you are. <laughs> okay. Sure. No question. No question about that. And then obviously with the Reformation, that happened also in Europe and Western Europe, but still pretty close to where you are. Yes. And, and I think we can see civilizations and their transition. We're always in transition. Always. And I, I read a quote yesterday that was on our blog. It must have been put on there a long time ago. It says that time is passing so fast now that we only begin to recognize the present when it's already gone. So yep. the acceleration of things is causing transition to happen quicker and quicker. I think people from the United States, just to kind of close up this part of your comment there or my read on your comment, we're in the middle of a very rapid transition when it comes to societal change in the United States. And I think we have to be aware of that. You're saying there that there's an opportunity that is present in the midst of this change and in the midst of looking at it and understanding it properly that puts us, creates opportunity for the gospel. And we're going to have people read your article for your full view on the conspiracy theories, because I'm not sure we're going to get back to it. But obviously, <laughs> conspiracies are, are around and in, in, in the political landscape and, and all of those kinds of things. Some of these ideas that we want to hold on to, when we see that they are being challenged or marginalized, we feel obligated to take the approach that there's some kind of sinister element that's destroying the world that we know. I think that's where conspiracy theories come in. And then we yes. can attach our perspective to that. I know that's a new question on our list, but would you like to elaborate on that? Yeah, it is true. I mean, we know that there is a devil out there that is there to get us, you know, like a roaring lion. That's what the Bible says. So yes, that yes. part is absolutely true. The problem is, what do we do with it? Are we going to fight using uh, human weapons, or are we going to find to use the, the spiritual weapons? Remember the, the story of the disciple of Jesus, and when he was being arrested, he took out the sword and cut the ear of the servant of the high priest. And mm -hmm. what did Jesus say? He said, enough. That's it. Stop it. Yeah. And that's the yeah. whole problem. We are like his disciples. Sometimes we just don't mm -hmm. get it. We just don't understand that we're doing the wrong thing because we are not understanding the, the theology, I would say, behind it. We don't understand the real meaning of mm -hmm. the kingdom of God. We try to conquer it with our source, and we are not called to do that. Yeah. You're called to actually do it Jesus' way which is, and that's the part yeah. we don't like, going on the cross. <laughs> that's the part we just <laughs> like to avoid in any possible way. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's that simple, yes. you know? And we always we would love right. the, the church to reign all over the world, to be strong, to do good, to change society, which does happen every day in the sense that we are influencing our society. We are changing things in so many ways through uh, our testimonies, through what we do, through the help we give in so many different ways. 
But the truth is that both things will develop uh, until Jesus comes back. Both evil and the church and the kingdom of God will grow until Jesus comes back. And that's where judgment will come. Mm. If we think that we're going to do yeah. it without, out of our strength, then we're on the wrong track. And so, yeah. having said this, yeah. yeah, it's not about, it's really about theology in a, in a way. It's really about how we intend and understand the kingdom of God. And there are too many people out there that are preaching the wrong gospel in this sense. They are preaching, well, we are Christians, so everybody should behave and should do what we say. Well, that's not the gospel. That's just human flesh. Yeah, we could like separate that with some skill and determination to reveal really something underlying that necessity or idea. That's a different spirit that is promoting that besides the spirit of Christ. Absolutely. And actually, if you think about it, it's what the what devil wants, what he wants to divide the church. So we have a divided church because some people want to do the wrong thing and for the right reason. I'm not saying they're doing it for the wrong reason, even for the right reason, but they're doing the wrong thing. And one of the really wrong things to do is to fight your brother and your sister because they don't agree with you. That's totally wrong. So we are not called to fight each other. Mm. And that's when the, the yeah. evil really wins. And uh, it's yeah. just incredible how we are good at, I mean, look at social networks, look at discussions online. It's crazy. The, the church seems to be full of people ready to judge each other. If that's the church, well, we have a problem. We should really learn to talk to each other, listen to each other especially, and be very slow to yeah. speak and to judge. That's something we really need because mm. otherwise, really, we are giving so much space so much uh, land to, to the enemy right we give advantage to the enemy in that way and i think the, you know i think the scripture you know really is clear when it tells us don't give any opportunity or advantage you know to the enemy which we 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 must be very careful not to do that yeah there, there's a lot woken up a larger discussion inside of my heart than we have time for here. There's a lot to say, and I think a lot to understand. I think you give us a challenge to step back and look. But if you, the human tendency, and we have to realize this, the human tendency is always going to go back to a natural kingdom. You know, you think about the, like you said, the disciple who chopped off the hype, the servants here. You can see that with a lot of clarity, a lot of clarity there. And Jesus said enough. But, you know, after Jesus was raised, I'm on a 90-day through the New Testament program. I just covered some of this in the last several days in my reading. Oh, When they sat down with Jesus after he was raised from the dead, they said to him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They were right back on it. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yes. They were right back on the program. And that, I think, is what we're looking for from a human point of view. We're looking for some natural kingdom. Yep. Jesus said to them, "Don't, guys, let me change the subject. You're going to s- wait in uh, Jerusalem <laughs> until you get 
power from on high. That I that's mean, that's right. what his comment was to the disciples. But but to Pilate, he said, "My kingdom is not of this world." And and we we've got to get our minds wrapped around that, especially when it comes to struggling from a flesh and blood standpoint. He didn't say, "Don't." You know, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood except for in these circumstances. He said, you don't yep. wrestle against flesh and blood. Your opposition is spiritual. And if you, this is something the Lord showed me a long time ago. If you wrestle against spiritual forces in a natural way and mindset, you strengthen their grip. Yep. You strengthen their influence. And that's what you're talking you're about. fighting at the same level. Yeah, you're fighting at the same level, but the forces you're fighting are spiritual, and they yeah, will yeah. always have you overmatched. Unless we Absolutely. we have spiritual weapons against spiritual opponents, we have no chance of making any progress. So you've got me super intrigued, <laughs> and I'm talking too much. But as we're closing out, obviously we'll point people to your article that was published in a, in a missions magazine, and also we're going to republish it on the FX Missions site. What can we say in conclusion? Yeah. Give us some direction. Well, I think that most people want to actually fight for justice. They really want to see justice. They really want to see do the right thing. But once we start to fight, let's say, for liberty, for freedom, then it becomes personal freedom, and then it becomes the church's freedom. Now, it is true that we can use the law, we can use rules, and ask them to be respected. That's fair. That's what Paul did when he was uh, tied up uh, and started to be tortured. So we can do that. What we can't think is that that's all we are called to do. That's not our call as Christians. We are called to preach the gospel. Again, I'm sorry I go back to that, but that's the core of everything. And preaching the gospel, of course, not only, uh, I mean, orally, speaking about it, teaching it, proclaiming the, the, the word, for sure, praying, since that's the master weapon we have, spiritually thinking, speaking. So all of these things are true. Mm-hmm. But again, what we should not be doing is defend ourselves in a human, uh, fleshly, you say that, way. <laughs> so the, I bet you were Fleshly, right. Fleshly way, yeah. right, okay. right. Because otherwise we become exactly like the rest of the world. That's the point. We have no more power because like we are like the rest. That's it. Mm. Yeah, and we forsake our, we, we basically, in that way, we walk away from our high calling in Christ. We take off our armor we step down into the melee and we get mud on us and everyone else that we're struggling with. Yeah, well, well let's think about persecution. I would like to say a word about this because that, that's, I think, is central. We Western people tend to exclude persecution from the paradigm. We just don't like to think about it. We just think that that's for other countries, for the other people, because we live in the free part of the world, so that won't happen to us, because we have uh, laws, we have a constitution that uh, states that we are religions are free to be proclaimed. Well, I wouldn't give it so much for granted. Truth is that we are promised to be persecuted by Jesus. So it will mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. Maybe not now, maybe some other time, yeah. maybe more in some countries than in others, for sure. 
But that's part of being Christians. And if you want to be a Christian and you don't want persecution, then you have a problem because it's going to come. And what will, are you going right. to do it afterwards? So we have to be prepared. Sure. In the end, it will happen in yeah. one way or the other. It might be open. It might be hidden, as it is mostly now, but it is there. A few days ago uh, in France, one of the ministers said that we have to deal with the evangelical church's problem. Now, that's how they see evangelical churches right now in France. And that's Western world. Yeah. So you understand how things yeah. are moving past in the sense and are changing. So are we ready for that? Are we ready to proclaim our faith despite persecution? That's a tough question. And that's what I ask myself sometimes. Mm. But it's a necessary question. I think we've got to ask ourselves that. And we've got to be careful not to misassociate the persecution that we're promised in the scriptures and by Jesus. It's not that someone has a different political point of view than you. Yes, I didn't want to touch that part. <laughs> persecution actually means to be persecuted. No, no, it's all right. Yeah, the persecution, persecute. I mean, I don't know. You may have unpacked this word before. It comes from a root word that means to be pursued. Yes. Chased is the common idea. And if you think about the, the Christians in Jerusalem, after Stephen was martyred, spiritually speaking in that time, something significant happened, and they were chased from Jerusalem. <laughs> you know, they were ran out of town is the idea. So. Just because you can't get someone to agree with you is not persecution. Persecution means you're being chased, and that's what we're promised. Especially you're being chased because of what you proclaim about Christ, not because of your political views or your idea. That's the right. Not about, not about politics, not because of your worldview. It's because, I mean, obviously Christ informs our worldview. He should be the center of it. But, you know, just because people disagree with you doesn't mean you're being persecuted. And for that reason, you shouldn't be sullen about it. I think there's a lot more to talk about when it comes to, and we should do this, Francesco, we should take another opportunity to talk about how that Rome, Italy and Rome, were the center of the Christian worldview, historically speaking, after Jesus was raised. And what the conditions are there now, I'm not talking about the Roman Catholic Church. I'm just talking about that part of the world. Then we could go on to the Reformation and how that was the center of the Christendom, if we can say it that way, uh, for a long time. Yeah, then influence has shifted. But there's something for us to learn about the transitionary state of influence and how we sh we've got to realize that our influence is spiritual, and that is our high calling. Our high calling is not to get somebody elected or to get somebody unelected. Our high calling is to be before God and also be in prayer, you know, in spiritual contention, wrestling, but not with flesh and blood, and also to be present with the gospel and be a force of that transformation to live like Jesus did and to demonstrate that we don't live by the powers of this age. There's a lot to get into there, Francesco. Let's do that sometime soon. Let's talk about that. Maybe we could take it as a second edition. 
But because you're from that part of the world and you know the state of the worldview in Italy today as compared to 1,700 years ago or 1,600 or, you know, the, the Christendom of the past and its power centers and all that is something to be understood because it helps us understand how things change, you know, and how we can cooperate with that change instead of defend the past and fight the inevitable. <laughs> Amen. Ah. Maybe I'm going to get in trouble with this podcast, Francesco. I hope so. Probably. <laughs> um, because it's because so often our, our words and our stand on certain things, they represent no danger to the enemy. Right. And, and I want to be right. dangerous. I want to be dangerous to the enemy. I want to be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove, but dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. And I think what we've said here today, represents a danger to the kingdom of darkness. So praise God. Thank you for being here, Francesco. I'm going to backlink this stuff, but if somebody wanted to reach out to you, I'll, I'll backlink your email there. Is that okay? Sure, absolutely. My email is francesco at adventive.ca or the okay. website is adventive.ca, simply. Adventive.ca. A-D-V-E-N-T-I-V-E. Dot C-A. Correct. Canada. Yes. Because we are both in Canada and in oh, the U.S. Oh, Canada. Mm -hmm. Oh, Canada. That's right. Hey, thank you so much for being here, Francesco. As always, a joy. Please give our greetings, our hearty greetings to the brothers and sisters there, your family as well. The Lord bless you. And we'll do this again. And we won't wait as long between times. Thanks again, Francesco. Blessings to you. Thank you, Scott. It was a pleasure. Thanks. I'm Scott McClellan, and this has been your FX Missions from the Forefront podcast, special edition conspiracy theories. Yes, pray for us that we get a follow-up about worldview with Francesco, and the fact that he has been raised in a different part of the world gives him unique insight from the outside that we need about ourselves and the world around us. As for me, as I mentioned, I'm Scott McClellan, and do contact me or us with any questions or curiosities, even whatever opposition you can muster, at fxmissions.com. Until next time, have a good one. You've been listening to From the Forefront, hosted by FX Missions' Scott McClelland. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like more information on today's guest, please go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fxmissions. Please rate our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. If you know someone who should be a guest on our podcast, we're currently reviewing candidates for upcoming episodes. Please submit their name, affiliation, and an essay of why their story needs to be told to info at fxmissions.com. And of course, you can always follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website at fxmissions.com. From Scott McClelland and the whole team here at FX Missions, thanks for listening. Till next time, have a great day.